Would you just stay with me? Stay with you? What for? Look at us. We're already fighting. Well, that's what we do. We fight. You tell me when I'm being an arrogant son of a bitch, and I tell you when you're being a pain in the ass. Which you are, 99% of the time. I'm not afraid to hurt your feelings. They have like a two-second rebound rate, and you're back doing the next pain in the ass thing. Hello and welcome to the Weekly Real Podcast. My name is Ken. And my name is Jeremy. And after three straight weeks where we've had the testosterone levels cranked all the way up for uh, Mortal Kombat, Dirty Harry, and Wrath of Man, we are definitely pulling a 180 this week. I mean, this week, Jeremy, we are talking about The Notebook, uh, which came out in 2004. Uh, but before we uh, talk about the notebook, Jeremy, let's get right into our podcast ritual. And so, uh, for those of you who check uh, who are checking out our podcast for the first time, podcast ritual that we do have every week is that uh, we kind of like to warm up by sharing a notable movie or TV show that we've watched uh, over the past week. And so, Jeremy, uh, do you want to share uh, what uh, movie or TV show you've watched? Yep, so it's I watched it on HBO Max, and this movie was supposed to come out last year, or it did come out last year, but it was supposed to probably come out earlier, and in theaters, of course, but then, obviously, the whole pandemic and all that stuff, and I was actually, when I watched the trailer for this movie, I was actually kind of excited to see it, uh, and it's Greenland. With Gerard <laughs> Butler <laughs> and Morena ba- Bacalin. Yeah, I, I, I could never name. say her name right. But yeah, her. I was like, <laughs> I want, like, watching the trailer, I'm like, for some reason, how come I feel like I'm going to like this movie? <laughs> and so I watched the movie, and it's actually pretty good. I was like, what the heck? This is-? For a disaster movie, you think like 2012 or. What's another disaster movie that's not good? <laughs> uh, uh, I almost said Edge of Tomorrow, but uh, what's the other one that's kind of like that? <laughs> um, oh. Wait, there's Volcano. That's another one. Twister's another disaster movie. Because um, <laughs> we can't even remember all the bad ones. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I just remember 2012, man. That one was so stupid. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just remember Nicolas Cage and, and Knowing that's the i was like the ending of that disaster movie was so weird but greenland is actually surprisingly a pretty good movie in itself i was entertained it was nothing groundbreaking but no pun intended um (laughs) but uh yeah i think i would actually recommend it to people who's kind of just looking for a kind of a simple disaster film that's kind of quality compared to some other ones yeah, and actually, um, you know, it's funny. I, I had a feeling you were going to say this movie because I actually did watch it. <laughs> and I actually do agree with you. Um, I, it, it's it's strange. I, I don't know if it's because I was expecting something horrible and it ended up being like, I don't know, pretty gripping. You know, you kind of get invested uh, in their family, Gerard Butler and Morena Baccarin of, you know, she's she was in Homeland. I know she was in, in Deadpool 1 and 2. Um, 
And I don't know for I don't know about you, but during the movie, I kind of got the Walking Dead vibes, and when when it was actually good, where you kind of are you know following a, a group of characters and you're you know like shit just keeps going bad and you're just like oh man i feel bad for them because you know obviously it's just them two and their son and stuff happens to them and you just genuinely like you want the best for them you know i feel like they're likable right yeah they were likable characters and there was a you know obviously a bit of family drama set up and uh, just the way they, you know, they unravel their their past as well as the story keeps going on. I guess keeps you invested and keeps you engaged with the characters because you kind of wonder what what kind of happened between them and all that other drama. And uh, so it's pretty, it's kind of weird that in a disaster movie, you're into the family drama aspect of it. <laughs> I, I know, seriously. Plus, you know, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of The Office, and Roy from The Office was in it, and he was kind of a dick, like like he he was <laughs> on The Office. So I was I was, was wondering if that was him. I was like, wait a minute, is that? Roy? I know he looked like he gained a lot of weight, huh? <laughs> there was a lot of uh, facial hair, I think, that was yeah. hiding it. Yeah. Well, plus, I mean, last week we ended up watching Wrath of Man, and we got a quick cameo by Holt uh, McCallany, uh, who played Bullet. And so he played uh, a pilot in this movie, which was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden, I'm like, dude, you went from uh, obviously Greenland, basically a glorified cameo, cameo <laughs> to, right. to Wrath of Man. <laughs> yeah, Second he, he definitely stepped that up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, the movie that I want to share, um, because that actually was one of my movies, but I, I had another movie that I wanted to share, and it also came out on HBO Max. Um, it just got released last Friday, um, and it was it was also in conjunction with the theaters. Uh, and we did talk about it on the newsreel. Uh, shameless plug for our Thursday show. I ended up watching Those Who Wish Me Dead, starring Angelina Jolie, uh, John, John Bernthal, I mean, a.k.a. Shane from The Walking Dead. I mentioned that. And then Aiden Gillen, um, who is best known for being Littlefinger uh, from Game of Thrones. Uh, and then obviously Finn Little, uh, who plays the kid in this movie and actually didn't mind his acting too bad. Uh, <laughs> and so um, I, I remember when we covered this movie in the newsreel, I thought, I, you know, I think both of us were pretty intrigued by the movie. Uh, but I think... You know, based off of what we had talked about, we we're like, man, I kind of wish that the that the uh, trailer didn't give so much away. And you know what? Sadly, we were right. A lot of the movie was really spoiled within the trailer, and so I feel like it was mildly disappointing um, because it gave away too much of the plot. Uh, but for me, it was just really good seeing Angelina Jolie. I mean, she still looks really good, um, and. I mean, it's always cool to see uh, John Bernthal and Aiden Gillen on my TV screen because um, I used to watch The Walking Dead for the first six or seven seasons or whatever it was. Um, and especially when it was really good, when Shane was still around. I mean, spoilers for The Walking Dead in the first two seasons. And Littlefinger, he's just so good. Dude, so because I was thinking about watching it. I almost wanted to watch it, obviously, since it came out. And... I guess now I can ask you: Do should do you think it's worth watching? Should I uh, or should I wait a little bit until I feel in the mood? 
I think, I mean, try not to have high expectations. Um, I think you could just go in if you're just looking for something to kind of entertain you. There's some pretty good uh, parts of the movie. It's just some of the stuff really didn't make sense to me. I won't mention what. Uh, so I'll leave that up to you when you eventually watch it. Um, I say you don't need to like watch it, be in a rush to watch it. But I think eventually just try to watch it before it does go away um, in a month. Yeah, just because true. it is uh, it is um, on HBO Max and you don't have to necessarily pay in theaters since it's a first run movie. Yeah, because uh, obviously it just came out and I'm not really hearing any buzz about it. So I was like, uh oh, that's not yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to rush to watch it. <laughs> All right. Uh, but before we um, end up talking about the notebook, with the reason why we're here, let's do a little bit of episode cleanup from last week, which was episode twenty nine on Wrath of Man. Uh, we ran a poll uh, like we normally do on Tuesdays on our social medias, and so what are those social medias again, uh, Jeremy? So we got at Weekly Real on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook if you want. <laughs> yeah, uh, we try to th- throw a little bit of love on Facebook from time to time. And so, uh, Jeremy, what was our uh, Wrath of Man poll and what were the results? So the poll that we ran was, what's your favorite Jason Statham role? Uh, so some of the choices that we had were Frank Martin from the Transporter series Deckard Shaw from the Fast and Furious franchise. We got H uh, from Wrath of Man. And then Rick Ford from uh, that comedy spy. And so with uh, 67%, it actually goes to the Wrath of Man himself, H. Really? That actually kind of surprises me a little bit. Just because obviously it's still a new release. I guess uh, people that did vote obviously watched it and they thought like we did like i felt like he was a badass right yeah i I mean that's who i would have voted for um i almost thought deckard shaw was gonna win just because you know how big the fast and franchise uh, fast and the furious franchise (laughs) is um but surprisingly h is the hero of uh this poll so again i just want to remind everyone uh to Definitely follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Again, what's that uh, What's that handle? So you can follow us at Weekly Real. And we run polls on Instagram and Twitter every Tuesday following a brand new episode for our main show. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely check that out. And so this week, a summer romance between a poor young man and a rich young woman quickly ignites only for the romance to quickly fizzle out. But fate intervenes and their paths cross again years later in the 2004 2004 film based on a Nicholas Sparks novel, The Notebook. And so before we go any further, I want to issue our customary spoiler warning, even though it is a 17-year-old movie. Um, And also, if you do want to join in on the conversation, The Notebook is currently streaming on HBO Max. And I believe that's where we both watched uh, The Notebook this week. And so, Jeremy, since, um, I mean, this is our Guilty Pleasure series. This is actually one of my Guilty Pleasure movies. And I know that you hadn't watched this movie prior to this week. Um, Did you have any, like, expectations kind of going into the film? 
Yeah, so I haven't, surprisingly, I haven't seen this movie, even though I've seen, uh, you know, a handful of other Nicholas Sparks-based movies, like um, uh, The Longest Ride, The Choice. The Vow was another one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think just, I remember those just off the top of my head. And so just a quick little side story, I guess. Back in high school... Uh, we were on a mission trip, and um, we were like just obviously in Puerto Rico and just kind of chilling out. We didn't really have our phones, not really any reception, obviously, in a bit of a international waters, so to speak. And uh, one of my friends, she brought a book, and it was a Nicholas Sparks book. I didn't know it was a Nicholas. <laughs> I didn't know it was a Nicholas Sparks book. Um, but I'm like, ah oh, man, I'm so bored. I don't have my phone. I can't do anything. And I'm like, can I read your book when you're not reading it? And she's like, yeah, sure. And then I, I was reading some of it. I don't remember which book it was. I just remember now it was uh, a, a Nicholas Sparks book. But I was like, this is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you might want to reach out to your lady friend and be like, hey, what was that book that uh, you let me borrow back in Puerto Rico on the mission trip? <laughs> yeah, I was like, that was so random. But yeah. Uh, expectations going into the movie. Obviously, I I expected some of the same tropes that I've I've seen uh, that other future movies try to emulate from this movie. Mm-hmm. So it fe- it felt very familiar just right off the bat. Um, but I obviously felt like the the acting was probably a little bit better because Ryan Gosling and uh, Rachel McAdams. Not saying the other ones aren't as bad or not not as good. I should say. Um, mm. especially the choice. Oh my goodness. I don't like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was just hoping I'm like, Oh, as long as it's not as bad as the choice, we're okay. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I haven't seen the choice, but it just sounds a, like a really manipulative, like just for the sake of like manipulating, uh, emotions type of movie. Is that pretty, like, I, I could barely remember what happened. I just remember I watched. I'm like, oh, Tom Welling's in another. It's he's actually in the movie. I'm gonna watch with Tom Welling. He's not the main guy. He's like, he's uh, the, he's the James Marsden of that movie. Oh shoot. Okay. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad, Superman. Yep. Sucks to be you. Anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when you finally did watch it, uh, did you have any like um, kind of initial impressions? Uh, like, did you kind of did you li- end up liking the movie? Um, like. Or and if you did, like, what were some of the aspects that you like, or maybe didn't like? So I'm a bit of like the beginning, the first about twenty or thirty minutes, minutes or so. I was cringing a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I don't remember it being that bad before, but I <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was like, is this the movie everyone's raving about? <laughs> yeah. Um it definitely uh after like the the middle mark of the movie, probably uh 50 minutes and on, I, it was actually really good. <laughs> I was like, "Dang." And and like some like I like the longest ride. But sometimes it just goes back into flashbacks and kind of slows down a lot. Whereas in this movie, you do get that these uh, so-called flashbacks or and flash forwards is flash forward is more of like the side story, I guess, in this movie. Right. Um, but it doesn't the story doesn't really slow down there. 
compared to like the longest ride and so that's what i really appreciated in this movie because i find like nicholas sparks needs really likes to go back and forth between Mm. like different timelines different perspectives um but i felt like it didn't really ruin the immersiveness in the notebook yeah i mean plus you had uh james garner like kind of as the de facto narrator of the movie and his voice is just so epic right yeah yeah because even though he doesn't look anything like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah, I know. That always kind of bugged me, too, just because, you know, obviously when uh, when they're showing the, the flashback scenes, Ryan Gosling's so slender, so slim. And then when, obviously, like, especially when they do the, the you know, those wide shots of James Garner, obviously he's old. He's older. And, you know, we naturally gain weight as we get older. I was like, dang, he, he looks like nothing like him. But I feel like they just cast him because of his epic voice. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because, yeah, like you said, he, he has a very much more stockier build just in like just in general and you can't really see ryan gosling um like just very different type of build so i was almost tricked in a way at first i was like oh shoot what if it's what if the the narrator is actually lon you know because he kind of had like the darker hair a bit you know and even though he had really like gray hair and it became dark at the on on the ends so i'm like oh are we gonna have a twist of um uh james marsden's character lon is the actual narrator and he's uh He's actually taking care of uh, of Ali and Allie? all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, and, but obviously it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, because it, 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 I think they, I don't know if they intentionally did that because, I mean, again, they look nothing alike. Uh, alike. Their voices aren't really the same. And then I think they intentionally started calling him Duke, uh, <laughs> you know, just to throw us off the scent. I was like, who is this guy? Yeah, I always wonder, why did they call him Duke? <laughs> I, you know what they never really explained that and so i don't know if uh they just uh i don't know assume have the audience assume that it's like oh it's a kind of a nickname and you're just trying to um you know it's just some random guy maybe it's a friend or something like that of noah's but i don't know but i mean i gotta ask you i mean we've been kind of talking about like kind of the back and forth uh when did you figure out that james garner and uh gina Rowland's characters were actually noah and Allie? Okay, so right off the bat, when they show, like, um, uh, Allie in the beginning, old Allie in the beginning, I was like, that's going to be Allie. I already know. Just, just mm-hmm. by the way, yeah. uh, Nicholas Sparks movies play into, like, the feelings. I'm like, oh, and I, I know he likes the older couples as well. Yeah. And so I knew, I'm like, okay, that Duke and and Allie are definitely, that's... That's uh, Rachel McAdams and and Ryan Gosling. So I've kind of figured it out right away. But as the movie kind of progressed, I kind of second guessed myself. Like I said, <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah. shoot, it's going to be James Marsden." Um, but 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 when did when did you like say, "Oh okay, that that is uh, that is Noah." I would probably say, shoot, uh, when she was talking about the house. For sure, when mm. when they when he brought her to the house, because I was like, man, that house is so messed up. He looked like he was gonna kill her in that house. <laughs> like when you saw the outside, I'm like, girl, you gotta you know put some boundaries. Like don't you gotta clean up the place first. <laughs> yeah, well, it kind of reminded me of uh, in uh, another movie that we did watch. 
Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Remember when they went into that uh, like creepy looking house uh, when they were still young? Yeah, <laughs> definitely got those vibes. Yeah, so I wonder if Nicholas Sparks uh, kind of drew inspiration from that um, from that scene. Yeah, because that those first twenty twenty five minutes or so, super cringy, man. Especially <laughs> oh the the Ferris wheel one. Oh, I'm like, yeah. dude, I, I feel like if you did that today <laughs> in real life, you're gonna have a bit of a legal challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh for sure for sure well i mean were there like any um i guess parts of the movie that really kind of caught you off guard you're like wow i did not expect that anything that kind of caught you off guard it could be in a good way and in, in a bad way mm, i would probably say the, the the montages of their their summer romance didn't really hit me that much Really, I think I was a bit disappointed on that. Uh, I actually didn't like the Noah character. Really, I was like, I didn't really like him at all until that little like um, that scene where they lay on the road and stuff. I was like, I, that was his first good scene. I feel like where yes. he was a little bit likable. Yeah, and then uh, past that, I was like, then it was pretty good. Hit or miss sometimes in the montage. Right. I, I could definitely see that. Um, well, because like for me, and, and this is actually just, uh, I just want to let everyone know that I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. I don't even remember the last time I watched this movie. I remember the first time I remember watching it. It was actually at our uh, at our grandparents' house and, you know, family was all together. And then I think we had some, I think I had some cousins who were like, oh, we got to watch The Notebook because it's Rachel McAdams. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't know who Rachel McAdams is, but <laughs> all right, let's watch it. I didn't know what was going on. And I was like, oh, man, it's a chick flick. <laughs> and, then all, <laughs> and then I was like, all right, whatever. So I ended up just watching it with the family. It was, it, was, uh, it was one of those old, you know, those old Saturday nights when we used to gather at our grandparents' house. So anyway. Yeah, did they play uh, all the awkward scenes and stuff? <laughs> they did. And I was like, oh, shoot. Okay, oh, I'm going to get some, some snacks. <laughs> yeah. And we got the, I, I, no. <laughs> don't close your eyes kids i know and i was already like in my mid-20s yeah <laughs> already during that time i'm like damn it i'm old already uh but you know what just re-watching it this time around i for kind of forgot some of the details and, and like you know the main storyline i didn't realize that it actually reminded me of another 2004 film uh have you watched adam sandler's 51st dates Yep. <laughs> Shoot, man. It, you're right. In in some aspects, is that... I bet, did they take notes from each other or something, man? I don't know. Um, because it, it, it's, it got different... It has different um, ways of, you know, kind of reminding... Obviously, you have, like, the uh, the the main actress in, in, um, in the notebook. You had Allie. Uh, obviously played by Rachel McAdams and, and G, uh, Gina Rollins. But then like in 51st Dates, you had uh, Drew Barrymore playing the the person who can't really remember. And then you got the uh, leading man just trying to kind of like just jog her memory just to remind uh, them of, of like the love. And you kind of got to see that whole journey. I thought it was like pretty crazy that two completely different movies uh, one's super dramatic and kind of romantic, but then one's kind of like a rom-com, you know? Yeah, and 
in, in a way, they're both pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I enjoy both. Uh, they're actually you know, uh, some rewatchable movies for me, for both, uh, for both of them. So, um, yeah, that was pretty crazy that I made that connection all these years later. Uh, going back to the, when I figured out, uh, when it was actually older, Noah and Allie, um, for sure. When, uh, they showed that Allie was living in that huge, big white house. And, mm. you know, when I thought it's like, Oh, what if it was lawn? Uh, taking care of her but I was like wait a minute why would she be living in this house that freaking uh, Noah built so I I was like forget it that that theory went out the window <laughs> oh man but um, I do want I mean you did mention Lon I want to kind of give a little bit of a special shout out to both him I mean just because I mean for me I will I always know James Marsden is Teddy Flood I remember we were talking about in our intro <laughs> intro to the podcast and how you Teddy Flood was like one of your, I guess, characters, fictional characters, um, based off of your personality test. Um, I want to give a shout out to him and uh, to Martha Shaw. Martha Shaw, remember, is that uh, married lady that was actually sleeping with uh, Noah for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know how like usually the other woman or the other guy is usually portrayed as like an asshole or someone that's bitter or whatever. I like the fact that Nicholas Sparks ended up writing these characters as likable. And you kind of felt sorry for both of them for like different reasons because they were truly like nice people. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you watch those other characters, they're not like assholes or anything, even though, um, what's it called? Lon's little like, Oh, you know, your parents would be devastated if I didn't marry you because they're going to miss me. (laughs) Yeah, he definitely had that self-confidence for sure. Yeah, yeah. But obviously you knew that he was kidding around. Different personality than uh, than Noah, definitely, Mm -hmm. (laughs) confidence-wise also. But at the same time, you knew he was a a good guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, he always respected her. He, He allowed her, not really allowed her, but he was like... But when, you know, she was like, oh, I got to go somewhere. And he could have been like, uh, no, and been been a dick about it or whatever, uh, put his foot down. But he was like, you know what? Go ahead. I trust you. And obviously she broke that trust. But <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when I uh, when she barged into, not barged in, but when she walked into his workplace, usually if he's the asshole type, it's like, oh, why are you bothering me at work? You know, I'm busy yeah. and all that stuff. It's like, yeah. oh, you got to go somewhere? It's like, hey, we're about to get married. What the hell are you doing? But no, he was like, all right. It's like everyone else leave. My wife's here. And yeah. it's like, all right, what do you want to talk about? Something's bothering you. Uh, and it's like, yeah. okay. If you think that's the solution to yeah. your problems to get out of here, go ahead. And then obviously that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I really did feel bad for, for Lawn in, in this movie, man. And I mean, I mean, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier, you know, kind of like iffy on certain parts of Noah's like kind of character and kind of the way he was acting. He was kind of a dick. Uh, he, you know what? I, I'll rephrase that. He was a dick to, to Martha Shaw. He totally used her for for the physical aspect of <laughs> their relationship. Yeah, because obviously she was like almost nudging him like, where is this going? Where is this going? What's this? Is there anything between us? But he just kept putting her off and dismissing her. And then w- basically when uh, Rachel McAdams came, when Allie came, it's like, oh, see you later. I know. And you know what? 
Allie was so nice to kind of invite her and everything. And it seemed like, uh, you know, they had a good time just hanging out and you could tell it was awkward for, (laughs) for Noah, uh, because, uh, geez, like he was just a dick to, to her or whatever, but thank goodness for Allie, you know, made her, uh, made Martha feel, um, welcome and everything. And, um, she was like, you know what? It restored her faith in love. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, because Noel wasn't going to do it. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm, definitely not. Well, Jeremy, let's get into our uh, topics. And, uh, you know, about halfway through the film, during, you know, that uh, scene where Ali's uh, doing that wedding dress fitting, Ali sees a photo of Noah in front of the Windsor Plantation in the local uh, newspaper. And so she decides to tell Lon, uh, she go, <laughs> we were talking about that scene, um, and she decides to Lon that uh, decides to tell Lon that she needs to return to uh, Seabrook to get away and to take care of a few things because she needs to clear her head. And so, Jeremy, why do you think Allie returns to Seabrook to see Noah again? So I was really thinking about this. I was like, does she really need to go and? Obviously, she could write a letter. She knows where he lives now, I guess, Mm -hmm. Uh, because she found his house. But I think she really went there for for confirmation if her young love was real or not. Mm -hmm. I think she wants to go there and see if if the feelings would come back again Mm -hmm. for both of them. And obviously, it was a bit tense at first. (laughs) Very very awkward. Yeah, very awkward. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I just remembered, like, he was so down. Like, he grew his uh, his beard. He looked yeah. a little bit weird. Uh-huh. Um, had a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like she really went there to see if they can reignite that, that flame that they had, but in a more mature way, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, yeah, I think that's why she really went back. And... I think that she just went with the flow pretty much went a bit irresponsible in some of the choices that she did. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if she was trying to uh, purposely look for it. I actually do agree with you in terms of, you know, uh, her wanting to see if there's something still there. If, uh, if the feelings kind of went away, because I mean, they kind of alluded to it uh, during the movie about, I think Lon was the one who said, is like, Hey, you never forget your first love. And so I, I, I think, the biggest part of that was because she never got real closure. If you think about it during that summer, when they actually had um, their thing, it ended so abruptly, you know, like things were going so well that day. And obviously they were um, almost sleeping with each other in, in the abandoned uh, um, plantation, the winter plantation. And uh, you know, they just quickly went home things went wrong and they just broke up. It was just so quick. And then the very next day she had to move away to New York. Yeah, dude. And the parents, that fight, obviously (sighs) that just makes you more on uh, Noah and Ali's side of the relationship. Cause you know, you want to support that young love, but at the same time, it's like these parents are pushing so much for, it's like, Oh, he's just, he's trash. I'm like, dang, bro. And he's downstairs. He can hear everything. (laughs) I know. Yeah. They didn't have uh, good uh, soundproofing (laughs) at that house, uh, at the Hamilton house. 
Oh, it wasn't it a bit random too. Not random because you kind of expected it. it's 1940 and then obviously 1941, uh, World War II. Uh, yeah. uh, Americans went into the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I f- totally forgot about it. I was like, oh, I guess he's going to war. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he uh, he needed to get away, um, and uh, I mean that's where he ended up writing a lot of his letters too, um, because it seemed like it was shortly after. Um, then when he and Finn ended up going, uh, to get drafted or enlisted or whatever, I forget. Did they volunteer? I think they might've volunteered. I think they enlisted cause they said yeah. enlisted, I think. So yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, but at the same time, I was like, that's very Nicholas Sparks. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, you just need to get away. <laughs> you're not, get- <laughs> yeah, you're not getting saving private Ryan over here. No. By the way, another nitpick, dude. I hated that Finn, um, like death scene <laughs> that was so abrupt and it looked really bad. I'm like, dude. Yeah, he just like looks down at him. I guess maybe at his wounds or something. But it's like, yeah. it was just all of a sudden this plane thing, and then all of a sudden yeah. the next scene he's coming back from the war. <laughs> yeah, no, that was probably one of the worst uh, death scene, uh, death scenes that we've ever that I've ever seen that I remember. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, I guess. That oh, he's sucks. dead. Damn. <laughs> well, Jeremy, let's get into our uh, final topic of the first half of the uh, the episode. And so after Allie and her mom have one of those poignant mother-daughter conversations, Allie's mom, Anne, decides to finally give the 365 letters uh, that Noah wrote to Allie with the hopes that Allie would make the right choice. And so... Why do you think Anne kept all of Noah's letters for so many years after hiding them for so long from Allie? And, and you know, because like she could have really burned them or just simply thrown them all uh, all away. And so, uh, what do you think? Ooh, I feel like she she kept them because of guilt. I think mm. she knew what she was doing was wrong, and obviously, well, for one, I feel like she was the most unlikable character in the movie. Obviously, for obvious reasons. But then they do humanize her, obviously, with her um, revelation that she actually loved this man that worked at the the mill or or the coal mine or whatever at the factory. And um, so that humanized her a bit. And I I felt like that helped uh, that reveal that she actually was holding on to the the letters. But at the same time, it's like, dang, she just had them in the back of her car all (laughs) neatly kind of like stacked and all that stuff. But I think it was mostly for guilt because I feel like she either way she would have given them to her eventually, mm-hmm. maybe like just later on down the line if she was being a really selfish mother. Like she gets married to Lon and then twenty like twenty years into their marriage or ten years or whatever, when she's finally like settled with Lon, she would actually give the letters give like, oh, letters, here you yeah. go, yeah. That's an interesting, um, I never actually really thought about the whole, hey, you know, maybe she was waiting for them, like you said, to maybe have a family, you know, be settled in and, you know, like they have, you know, they, uh, and then eventually give the letters. It's like, oh, you know what, uh, at least, you know, you were happy, you know, and everything, but uh, you know what, I, I have a confession. Here are some letters. Yeah, because what I'm thinking, maybe when she sees Lon, it's like, oh, this guy, or not Lon, when she sees Noah, when Anne sees Noah, uh, it's like, oh, this guy's just going to end up as trash, so I'm going to show 
uh, th- these letters li- very later on down the line and shows like, oh, yeah, he said all these things, but he did not end up like like Lon pretty much. But right. maybe that's what she was hoping for. But I think she saw that uh, Noah was genuinely a good guy and she kind of regretted it. Right. And plus, I mean, I feel like she did see a lot of herself in Allie, especially when, you know, she was young and everything, because, uh, again, that reveal that she went through what Allie did. And so maybe she hung on to it just in case, um, just because obviously she went and chose, um, what was his name? John, Allie's father. And he was really the safe choice. And so after knowing that she ended up going back to visit uh, Noah in Seabrook and them hitting it off again. And cause obviously she was gone for, for a while. Um, then you, she knew that, you know, she knew that like there were still feelings, especially since when, when she saw the, uh, the, the newspaper clipping, he, you know, she immediately fainted and you could tell that she had deep feelings for Noah. Yeah. Even though it was a bit, like I'm like, really? Would the mom actually have the same, basically the same exact relationship, but take the other choice? Yeah. Like it, it seemed really way too convenient. <laughs> yeah. But Anne knew. I mean, when when they saw the newspaper, she was like, "Oh boy, <laughs> here it comes!" And obviously, she fainted yeah. in a very dramatic, probably overly dramatic scene. But I mean, we got the point. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> So, Jeremy, um, you know, this is the point in our podcast episode where we like to in, uh, involve the audience. And, you know, 2004 was a huge year for Rachel McAdams. Uh, we were talking offline about how, I guess, versatile, like, her year was. I mean, she starred in a comedy, uh, a high school comedy, uh, Mean Girls, and she also starred in The Notebook. And so, Jeremy, I got to ask you, if you could watch one movie for the rest of your life, which movie would you choose, The Notebook or Mean Girls? Ooh. And as much as I think the beginning of The Notebook is super cringy, uh, obviously uh, the audience should probably listen to my thoughts on Mean Girls, on our Mean Girls episode. Uh, I would probably choose The Notebook over over Mean Girls. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised. But not really. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if that made sense. But, uh, <laughs> you know, because I, I was kind of going back and forth when I thought of this question. And I was trying to think, OK, well, I mean, I'm only watching one movie. I was like, do I really want to be all like in my feels all the time? And that's kind of how I looked at it. I was like, no, nah, I need to laugh. <laughs> so that's why I ended up choosing Mean Girls. So uh, but I could see that. I mean, I feel like The Notebook is definitely the better overall movie for sure. If I had but, to like choose one yeah. to be erased one over the other, that's how I kind of chose. I was like, <laughs> erase Mean Girls from existence and keep the notebook. Ah, that's a good way to kind of think about it. And so if you do want to join in on the conversation, I mean, because we do have these uh, audience questions that we'd like to pose to you guys, uh, definitely hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, what are our, uh, our uh, social medias again? It's at Weekly Real on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Yes. And uh, we also have email. So if you want to give us a more long form response, uh, what is our email address? So it's at weekly real 
wait, no, weeklyrealpod at iCloud.com. Ooh, right? You know You're getting pretty close. It's weeklyrealpod at gmail.com. Man, you're, you're almost Dang. getting there. I, lo- I love almost. it. I love it. Well, anyway, let's uh, take a quick break, Jeremy. All right, welcome back from the break. And Jeremy, let's get right into the weekly real awards for the notebook. And so, I mean, we we, we introduced this uh this award uh not too long ago. I believe it was on your name, right? Yeah, your name had the had the romance. Yeah, it did. It did. And so, uh well, I think that was our last romantic movie. Anyway, uh let's give out uh the I had a date award for favorite romantic scene. I mean, it's Definitely fitting for a movie like The Notebook. So who was your winner? For me, and this is very fitting because the I Have a Date Award is obviously coming from Captain America, the first Avenger, and obviously some sad connotation right there (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, because Captain Captain America couldn't get his date with Peggy Carter. Um, And for me, my favorite uh, romantic scene of The Notebook would probably probably be at the very end where it's old noah and Allie, and mm. she she recognizes him and you can oh. really just see like the light come in her eyes and be like noah and it's like and it's like oh it's like how how much time do we have it's like oh and she knows she knows that the condition that she has and it's like now and he says like oh we didn't even have like five minutes last time it's like oh but then oh. at the same time that's such a good scene Oh, it, it is, man. I feel like this scene probably, if we were watching it in the theaters, probably would get the waterworks going. You know what I mean? Uh, because of the mm-hmm. uh, the dialogue is so good. Uh, and I like how, um, I mean, in addition to like Ali recognizing Noah right away, I like how the end, uh, like their final dialogue is when, you know, Ali's like saying goodnight and, you know, and Noah goes, good night. And then he goes, I'll be seeing you. And that's basically the song that he was trying to hum on their, basically their first date. And it kind of bookends the whole first date with basically their last moment. And when you kind of see them like, you know, the next morning, I was like, oh, man. But it's, it's like who's cutting onions? <laughs> <laughs> it, I feel like it was a, a fitting end to this movie, and obviously, some movies they don't know when to end, or they it feels like it ends too early. But I feel like it it stopped at the right moment. Yeah, yeah, that's actually such a good scene. That was actually my that's my, that's that was my pick as well. But you know, I'll in the interest of um, you know just you know, selecting another scene here, here's one, here's my winner actually. And so, I mean, you talked about a little bit, it was the scene after the movie and they're actually walking home. And I love this scene because, you know, as they're kind of walking and everything, Noah's really challenging Allie um, because, you know, the his perception of her is that everything's so structure, structured in her life that she really isn't free to act on her impulses um, and so during that scene, Noah got Allie to, you know, step out of her comfort zone. Um, you know, it was a simple thing, you know, just laying on, on, on the, in the middle of a street, just to look at the traffic lights, just change colors and everything. 
And you could tell during that scene, you know, from the beginning to, you know, uh, as the scene's playing out, you could see Allie's uh, walls are just slowly just like lowering and she's letting uh, Noah in. And so uh, I felt like that turning point was when when Allie just admits, is like, you know what, I like to paint. I love to paint. Um, This is what I love to do. And, you know, it might be kind of a small thing, but it's really that barrier that you do have to cross that basically, you know, starts long-term relationships, you know, like, you know, those deeper relationships. And so, and I love how that scene, I mean, you talked about the very end of the scene. Again, I'll mention it. They're just dancing to no music. He's humming horribly, but he's humming the I'll be seeing you uh, song that they play throughout the, the movie. Yeah, that's that's the like I said before, that was the first scene I actually ended up liking Noah as like the main character. Because sometimes um, if if anyone out there watches K-dramas, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's this thing called the the second lead syndrome where mm-hmm. they pretty much, you know, the uh, like everyone like the audience loves the le- uh, the second lead, which in this case would probably be like Lon or something. Um, because the first lead male character is usually like either an asshole or he's just, (laughs) he's just not that good, but then she has to end up with him because he's the main character. Um, but luckily at that scene, I'm like, okay, at least this scene, I was like, this is a really good scene. Uh, (laughs) when I was watching it, me and my brother were watching on HBO max and he's like, wouldn't the street be hella dirty? <laughs> it's like, man, that's gross. Why would you do that? I'm like, bro, it's the, it's like 1940. It's probably cleaner than like like now. Yeah, because there aren't that many cars on the road, especially in the middle of the night. Yeah, because it seemed like they watched a late showing, and so, um, and I feel like Seabrook isn't really that crowded of a town. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a small town to me. Exactly. Well, Jeremy, let's get into our next. Um, our next award. And actually, we haven't given out this award in the new season. And so, uh, Jeremy, let's give out the Yinsen Award uh, for favorite underrated character. And, you know, he's obviously one of our favorite characters in the MCU uh, in the first Iron Man and Iron Man 3 during that flashback. Mm, I'm going to say, because the easy way to go would be to say Lon, for sure. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say Lon. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I was like trying to really think about it like a different character that um, just, I think, made me think more about like deeply about the movie. I was like, do I want to choose the mom? Not really. I didn't really like her. Yeah. Um, the dad, obviously, Ali's dad wasn't really there. I almost chose um, Noah's dad, but okay. I, was, I ended up on Lon just because it's like... It is a bit refreshing. Like I, I totally forgot about Martha, but um, Martha, yeah, Martha. What did you say that name? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Lon. Just it's it's a bit refreshing to see like that the they don't like hold a grudge and they're actually like understanding and stuff. And they're more mature about it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I don't know. I feel like you're picking Lon just because he's really Teddy Flood and, you know, you guys are kindred spirits. <laughs> or oh, no, yeah, he's uh which kind of sucks because it's like uh he was uh Scott Summers also in uh X-Men, James Marsden, and obviously he was a bit of a not really third wheel. It's like um Logan was a bit third wheeling on him and Jean Grey. So 
Yeah. So I don't know if they chose him because of uh, <laughs> because well, of X Men. <laughs> wasn't he also a third wheel in Superman Returns? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's like, has he been typecast? Maybe. I, I think so. That that uh, that nice guy who who finishes last. Dang, yeah. Man. <laughs> well, you know what? You you mentioned him, um, and actually, my winner for the Yinsen Award is Frank Calhoun, who is Noah's dad. I mean, I felt like he he was genuinely a good dad. He was loving. He you know he actually spent time with his son. Um, he ended up helping out Noah with his stuttering problem that they revealed. You know, and, you know because he ended up introducing poetry in his life, and I felt like he was always nice to Allie. You know, like I felt like they had a pretty good rapport, and not in a kind of creepy old man kind of way. You know, he actually genuinely like cared for her because you know. Um, his son was in love and he recognized that and he was always very accommodating. He said, hey, come on over. You know, you're not bugging us while we're kind of reading poetry. And I mean, obviously, the most important thing that he did to, well, to the plot of the movie is that he ended up selling his house just so that Noah could have uh, enough money to buy his dream house, which was the Windsor Plantation, because, you know, he knew that. um he knew how much he, uh, Noah loved Allie, and he felt like this would be very instrumental in having him win her back. Mm, yeah, definitely an underrated character. But best of all, he knows that you can eat pancakes at 10 p.m. At 10, <laughs> 10 p.m., <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, pancakes, why not? <laughs> it's like breakfast, 10 p.m.? It's like, it's fine. Um, but yeah, like you said, He's like just he he wasn't in that creepy way either to Allie. But when I first saw him, I thought he was gonna be that abusive dad, that yeah. was like <laughs> the single dad that's abusive to his kid. Uh, when you first see him, but it's complete one eighty when he I starts know. talking. <laughs> the opposite. He was very kind. Because I was like, uh oh, here comes the stereotype, and then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. If you think about it, really, there wasn't. Uh, at the by the end of the movie, there really wasn't a uh, a villain in the movie. The closest was uh, Allie's parents and mainly the mom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just sidelined the dad because it's like, oh, he's whatever. Yeah, he's just some random guy. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was just he was really the second choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know what? Um, you know, the Notebook had so many quotables, and you know, it's, it felt it was only right to give out the Why Is Gamora Award for favorite quote and so jeremy who's your winner for the wise gamora award dude i don't know why i keep coming back to lawn maybe that's the choice i would have made if i was rachel mcadams <laughs> but <laughs> uh just the way his last basically one of the last things he says in the movie is my quote that i chose Oof. and he says the way i see it i got three choices one i can shoot him two i can kick the crack <laughs> i can kick the crap out of crap him, out of him. <laughs> yeah or three I leave you. Well, all that's no good, you see, because none of those options get me you. I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. It's like, I dang. know. I felt so bad for him when he said that. That was such a good line. That's such a good line. But I'm like, it's like, it, it's so poetic in a way, but it, it, it's good uh, writing. But at the same time, it's like, dang, did you just come up on there on the spot? <laughs> <laughs> Freaking Nicholas Sparks just uh, <laughs> ghostwriting his lines for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I initially wanted to give the uh, 
uh, my award uh, to uh, it really doesn't count. And that's why I didn't choose this one. It's the whole letter that uh, Ali ends up reading because, man, um, I feel like that could be another scene where people just start crying because, you you, you know, it's basically Noah writing a, him like giving up um, and just accepting the fact that he lost Ali. But um I won't go with that because it really doesn't count as a as a quote. It's it's a part of the letter. So I got to give it to like that very passionate scene or, you know, right before it. <laughs> anyway, you know, obviously they just gotten done with uh, that boat ride. It was very scenic, by the way. That was very mm-hmm. beautiful cinematography. How did they not get crapped on by all those birds? All those, I know, <laughs> dude. I felt that was so unrealistic. <laughs> and I would imagine it stank, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I know. Uh, but after they had their romantic boat ride and it starts to pour, uh, it starts pouring rain, this exchange happens. It's like, Ali's like, why didn't you write me? Why? It wasn't over for me. I waited for you for seven years, but now it's too late. That's my best um, Rachel McAdams. <laughs> like oh i thought i was watching the clip from the movie man (laughs) oh man yeah i think i may have watched this movie too many times before (laughs) (laughs) and it just kind of seeped into my soul anyway noah continues he's like i wrote you 365 letters i wrote you every day for a year and ali's like you wrote me (laughs) (laughs) and noah's like yes it wasn't over it still isn't over. And it just they start macking, man. I was like, damn. Dang, man. That part is so good, man. Yeah, it's like that that I knew that scene was coming because they're in that that the rain and obviously you've seen the poster before. The posters, Everyone knows yeah. the poster. <laughs> such a it's such a spoiler. Come on now. Yeah, I know. And then I've seen like on Fathom events or whatever, like um you know they're they're gonna play like the notebook on like a ten year anniversary or whatever, and they show like that little part of that scene or whatever, and so it was, I was a bit spoiled in that way, but yeah, that 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 uh, exchange was a pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was man. I felt like that was like the the most quotable line because <laughs> like it, it could be done in a uh, kind of a spoof kind of way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, <laughs> but it can also be like, damn, well, I was a hell of passionate stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I was kind of cracking up a little bit at first. Like you wrote me. <laughs> 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 uh, so good. It's so quotable. Uh, I feel like you could kind of just, just say it in every day, uh, <laughs> in every day dialogue. <laughs> Oh, she! I, I did want to give a, a random honorable mention. It's really quick, out of, and it's so out of nowhere. Uh, it probably you probably wouldn't even mention it. So it's after Ali visits Noah again, and after all these years, they have that little awkward exchange uh, where that ha- you know where they you know just reconnect. But she just wants to you know drive away, and she you know she ends up crashing her car or whatever. And Noah's still kind of shocked that he sees her. You know, it's like he's probably in disbelief or whatever. And then, so he's like, Hey, uh, do you want to come in? And, you know, Ali says, okay. So then, you know, it shows that part and then it quickly changes to like the flash forward of, uh, James Garner or old Noah narrating to old Ali. And then old Ali goes, this is a good story. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. This is getting really good. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're almost reaching the climax. 
I know because I felt like that that quote at the time when I rewatched it just this uh, one time I didn't even uh, think of any, anything of it. I was like, dude, that was such a meta quote. It's like this is a good story. <laughs> oh man, you know what? Let's move on to our next award, the Avengers Assemble Award for favorite scene. So, uh, who would you give this uh, award to? Which scene? Ooh, my favorite scene of the movie is the "What do you want?" scene. Oh, uh, dude, that's like my favorite scene too. Uh, go ahead. God, this is. Dude. I mean, this is the first time you watching it. I want to hear what you got. What dude, you got to say? When obviously um, she gets his letters and all that stuff before, obviously before she drives away and reads the first letter. Um, they get obviously in a heated argument because it's like, what the hell do you want? You want security. You're just bored. It's like, oh, oh dang, calling her burn. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> because cause honestly, like, um, she probably could have handled the situation a little bit better between these two guys. Uh, they didn't, like, honestly, they didn't really do anything wrong to her. And obviously they're just acting on their own desires. Uh-huh. Um, but for me, the the quote that sta- uh, stood out the most was when Wal- uh, when Noah was like, "So it's it's not going to be easy. It's going to be really hard. We're gonna have to work at this every day. But I want to do that because I want you. <sighs> I want all of you forever, every day. You and me. It's like oh." Dang, man. <laughs> Let me memorize this so that I can quote that to a girl. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I bet all guys, man, that were in the theater, if they were like just looking around, it's like, shit, I gotta use this for later. <laughs> I know, it's like, damn, that's a good one. I gotta remember this one. I gotta memorize it. <laughs> yeah, just, and that, um, just from from where we started from the beginning of the movie, like, I didn't like Noah that much, but when he started, like, you know, he's been reading Whitman. <laughs> yeah, he So it's was. like, he became so poetic by the end. I was like, ah, what a romantic. Yeah. I mean, I feel like um, the the reason why I uh, kind of, I, I, like, I love that scene for all the same reasons that you just mentioned. But to just add to that, I felt like for Noah to take himself out of the equation and like ask Ali, say, hey, stop thinking about what your parents are thinking. Stop thinking about what I think. Stop thinking what um, th- stop thinking about what Lon thinks or anyone really just what do you want? You know, he put it in perspective. He just broke it down because, you know, she's been living her life for the most part, you know, just trying to make other people like other people happy. You know, she's making decisions not necessarily for herself. And so, um, plus, I mean, dude, at this mo- part of the movie, I think you were kind of talking about how you were thinking Duke was long. <laughs> You're like, you still were a little unsure. Was like, which way Allie was going to decide, you know, like, was he going to go, was she going to go with, um, with Noah or was she going to go with, with Lon? And so, man, um, it's such a good scene. Yeah, like the raw emotion was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's like, uh, Obviously, besides all the smooching in this movie, when when they get down to like these heated arguments, like yeah, this is this is where it's at. Yeah, it, it feels real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man! Well, I'm glad that we kind of agreed on that one. Anyway, let's uh, get to the our favorite part of each episode, uh, where we're guessing the Rotten Tomato score. And you know what? After a very slow start, Jeremy was down. I believe it was two to nothing. He's just gone on this crazy run, and he's currently up seven to four in season two. Um, I admittedly don't know. Um, 
I didn't know what to guess on this one. And so, you know what? I'll let you go first on this one. So uh, what do you think um, The Notebook got for uh, a Rotten Tomato score? Ooh. So from I'm kind of trying to base it off of my rating as well. So I'm going to give it an uh, I'm going to guess an 84%. Ooh, man, we got a pretty wide gap. Okay. Ooh. So I'm thinking... My rational uh, rationalization is that Rotten Tomatoes doesn't really like romantic comedies that much or or romantic dramas, I should say. And so I went on the low side. I'm going 66. Dang. Okay. Obviously, it's not like my score. So let me go to RottenTomatoes.com and uh, let's search for The Notebook. Uh, Better be right on this. Okay. So 2004. And with a tomato meter of, man, actually, I was a little, I was not low enough. 53. What? (laughs) What the heck? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so it scored a 53, and uh, that's based off 179 reviews. And so um, did you want to kind of give a guess for the audience score? Um, 89%. Ah, you're pretty close. 85. So again, it's another one of those movies where, you know, critics just hate on like movies like this. Dang. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, my initial instincts were finally right. Um, I am starting to pull a little closer to even. Jeremy's now up seven to five and uh, we're going to be heading into next week. But before we talk about ne- next week, let's go ahead and give out our final award of the episode. So um, we like to end our episodes with giving the uh, our own personal rating. We give out the I Love You 3000 award where we rate the movie from one to 3000. So, Jeremy, what would you give it? Okay, I'm going to give it a 2338. Out of 3,000, and that's 78%. So I tried to kind of uh, remember what I gave uh, Mean Girls. Mean Girls. <laughs> I, <was laughs> I actually like, looked that up, too. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to make it above it, above Mean Girls for sure. So I put it at 78%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually obviously did like The Notebook better than the Mean, than mean Girls, but, I mean, it doesn't reflect which one I'd rather watch moving forward if that was the only two movies that uh that were left in time um and so i guess since it's a guilty pleasure of mine and i wanted to give it a realistic score i gave it 24 45 which is about 81.1 percent hmm yeah definitely like i really like the the second half of the movie yeah, for sure yeah. it makes up once for it, the first <laughs> once it gets past a lot of the making uh, the makeout sessions which i was like <laughs> dude there was so many and uh some of the stuff was a little cringy just like uh what we were talking about offline <laughs> yeah maybe just because it gets parodied parodied a lot now mm-hmm, for sure but man uh those quotables uh the character development and man man the raw emotion sometimes and all the waterworks Mm-hmm. so good anyway uh before we close out the episode do you want to preview next week's episode next week we're getting back into the action again uh, <laughs> a group of mercenaries plan a major heist in the city of las vegas and bet their lives against an army of zombies waiting for them it's army of the dead directed by Zack snyder 
Oh man, uh, I wonder what the over under is for slow motion. <laughs> I know. I'm wondering, man. I'm like, uh oh, how much slow motion are we gonna get of Dave Bautista firing a, a an assault rifle? Yeah, we're gonna see a lot of. Uh, I would imagine we're gonna see a lot of bloods and gore and stuff like that. But I'm I'm looking forward to this movie actually. I am too, uh, and it's actually out in theaters, right? Yeah, you can watch it now in theaters, but I'm waiting until it actually gets out on on uh, Netflix, which it should be out by the time this episode uh, of the Weekly Reel comes out. So Yes, so no excuses for not watching Army of the Dead. It's out on Netflix um, for all the subscribers out there and all the ones that are kind of leeching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Jeremy, do you have anything to plug over uh, the next week? So, for me, you can if you want to follow me on... Twitter, you can go to JP underscore flicks. All right. And um, you could also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at free Ken a, and the spelling will be on the notes for both uh, Jeremy and I. So uh, any final thoughts on the notebook? Well, not really, but just coming to my mind right now is like, if I were to recommend uh, some other Nicholas Sparks movies, I think my top, other two would be Safe Haven and uh, The Longest Ride, if you've okay. never seen those before. I have not. Um, we'll, we'll see. I, I might need uh, one of those refreshers after all the uh, like the tes- testosterone movies that we've been watching. So <laughs> I might actually take you up on that, especially if it is available to stream somewhere. Yeah, surprisingly, I've seen more uh, Nicholas Sparks movies than I, ex- than I uh, expected. <laughs> Wow, that's so crazy that you never really watched the most popular one out of all of them until now. Mm-hmm. That's why it's like uh, something just didn't uh, surprise me <laughs> in this one. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm glad you liked the movie. Uh, um, you know, it, it was pretty cool to be able to uh, to uh, talk it uh, talk about the movie with you. Uh, I'm kind of a little sad that we weren't able to get the guests we were hoping for for this episode, but. Who knows, maybe this um, season one guest will appear in a future episode of the Weekly Reel podcast. And uh, so speaking of the Weekly Reel podcast, we definitely want to thank uh, all of our audience for supporting us, uh, for subscribing, for, you know, definitely checking us out on social media as well. And uh, we'll see you next time on The Reel. <laughs>